Alright, let's open our Bibles quickly as we kick off this morning's teaching. We are going to kick off from the book of Psalm 62. That is, we'll take the declaration of the glory of the Lord from the book of Psalms number 62. Psalm 62, one to let's go. My soul waits in silence for God only. For him is my salvation. It's my rock and my salvation. My stronghold, I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will you assail a man that you may murder him, all of you? Like a leaning wall, like a torturing fence. They have counseled only to thrust him down from his high position. They delight in falsehood. They bless with their mouth, but inwardly they curse. My soul waits in silence for God only. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. My stronghold I shall not be shaken. On God my salvation and my glory rest. The God, rock of my strength. My refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Men of low degree are only vanity. And men of rank are a lie. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than breath. Do not trust in oppression, and do not vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and loving kindness is yours, O God, for you recompense a man according to his work. Let's read verse 11 and 12 again. One to let's go. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this. That power belongs to God, and loving kindness is yours, O Lord, for you recompense a man according to his work. Hallelujah. Amen. I said hallelujah. Amen. This is going to be the foundation for our teaching for this morning, and we trust that the Lord will give us insight. Say amen. amen. We trust that the Lord will give us understanding. Amen. We trust that the Lord will open the eyes of our hearts so that we will see the truth, the power of God, so we will understand the hope of the calling he has given to us in Christ Jesus. And because of that, we declare as follows. One, two, let's go. Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It's giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Today is a great day for you in Jesus' name. Amen. The word of healing is coming to somebody this morning. Amen. And that affliction is leaving you. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Remember the small fee. It's a small fee. What's the fee? What's the fee? You will do what? Pay attention. All right. So let's pay our attention this morning and receive what God is planning to give us. Hallelujah. All right. Let's take our seats. Okay. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Let's open our Bibles just to continue. Um, We're looking at the fundamentals of faith again. So the book of Hebrews chapter 11, 
Please, let me start by reminding us. Don't joke with your faith. What did I say? Please say like you believe what I said. Please don't. Don't. Don't joke with it at all. Don't joke with your faith. I want to say don't joke with it. Faith is like um, a living spiritual substance in you. It's like a quantifiable um, entity. When I say quantifiable, like you can measure it. If you go through scriptures, you see the Bible, Jesus always spoke about faith. You see the whole of the New Testament speak about faith as a measurable spiritual quantity. Do you understand my point? Just like you can measure speed, velocity, you can measure mass, you can measure volume. It can increase in volume or size, all right, or mass, and it can reduce. So when I say take care of your faith, you have to be sure there are just two things you can do with things that can deplete. It can deplete. It can deplete. Faith is like that. It can go down in volume. It can go down in size. And it can grow. So when I say take care of your faith, what I mean is that make sure it's not depleting. Make sure it is growing. That is, you don't want it to maintain its size. No. That's dangerous. You have to ensure that it is growing. And there are two things you do with that. Or how you do it. One, plug the leak. And then make sure you keep adding to it. Now, if you don't do anything, even if you plug the leak and you don't add to it, it's being used up. It is consumed. Just doing its natural work. That's how it is. These things are living. That's just the way they are. It must grow constantly for it to be sustained. It must grow. You see, it's something you must work hard on. We've been talking about it for some days now. Explain the importance of it. That if you walk on water and you drown, Jesus doesn't think it's because you are not supposed to be on water. He says it's the littleness of your faith. And I have realized in this life, many things God wants to do in our lives. The only, not two reasons, the only reason some of those things will not be done is because they require faith activation. And when we don't build the faith to the level that God can release, that the thing can be, can break through and come into our lives, it will never happen. I'll just be watching you like this. That's something that I've realized. I've gone through many phases of my Christian work and understanding. And one of the ones I came to some time ago, and for me, I find it really scary. There are times I just, let me tell you the truth. As much as I speak with confidence, and we should have confidence. In fact, both of them you're supposed to have. You're supposed to have confidence and godly fear. Both of them are supposed to go together in your life. Not natural fear. Fear of serpents, fear of death, fear of, no, 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 no. Godly fear. Godly fear. What is godly fear? Hmm. Brethren, no, I don't want to miss the plan of God for my life. It should give you trepidation every day. It's not lack of faith. That's what real faith does to you. It gives you godly fear. It gives you godly fear. You tell yourself every day, there's, there's zero fold, there's 30 fold, there's 60 fold, and there's 100 fold. You tell yourself, Lord, I, do, I will not be satisfied. You tell yourself, I will not be satisfied with anything less than a hundredfold. You, you, and you literally get on your knees and tell the Lord that, Father, I just want to tell you, ninety-nine-fold is not my portion. Lord is hundred or nothing. Tell him like that. I know it's not by my strength. I don't even know what exactly to do. I just want you to know it's hundred or nothing. 
Just tell him from the beginning. If you're a young person, tell the Lord early. It's hundred or nothing. This faith, you must take it as very precious. It's precious. It's, crit- it's crucial. You tell the Lord early, it's hundred or nothing. That you don't want to get to the Lord Jesus Christ on the last day and he'll say to you, so boy, how did it go? Say all the things that you accomplished through us. Said, not bad. That was 40 things. But we're supposed to do 100. Why didn't you do the 100? Then you start discovering. Now, he may not take you through this experience because he doesn't have time for regrets. I hope you're getting my point. But let's just paint the picture, all right, while we are here so that we'll take the warnings. Now, listen. Don't think everything, everybody will just neutralize and equalize. No. That's why there's a judgment day. Don't worry. It's not tossing you into hellfire. I can assure you of that. That is you, true believer, if you held on to your faith. But then, each man will receive something for his works. Works done in righteousness. Works done according to his commandment. He will return and say, come and give account. Here is your mina. It has made ten more. Do you get my point? And he will say to some people, well done, good and faithful servant. I was in the Derek Prince once, and he said it struck him that he never said that well done, good and faithful servant to anyone apart from the one that got the full one, tenfold. The one that said, okay, your minima has made, your minima has made five more. To, they were okay, but he didn't tell them, well done, good and faithful. So he tell the Lord, see, that talent, that mina you gave to me, it must produce tenfold. There's a reason. There's always a reason. Don't forget, Jesus said that, let's look at the seed, which is the word of God. When it is planted, there are three levels. Four levels. Okay, let, let, let me not count. I'm sorry, make a mistake. First, that the first group, they heard the word. They did not understand it. Whether you were speaking Greek, Latin, or Hebrew, or even common English, they didn't have any idea. That's only one that the birds of the air came, picked up. Of course, there's no possibility of fruit. The next group are the ones that heard the word. They understood it. The word began to grow, but did not have depth of earth. Now, what I want to bring out is that the soil is the heart of men. I hope I, I, hope I get my point. It's you and I that are the soil. The word is the same. It doesn't change. The amount of fruit that the word produces is dependent on the heart that receives it. The deadened heart that understood nothing, that saw and did not understand, heard and did not perceive, those ones, zero. But some heard it, they understood. However, they did not have depth of earth. How do you know? Deep inside their heart is rocky. On the surface, they go to church, but they are stubborn at heart. You must understand it. That is, you can't, there's what the Bible calls strongholds. They will not, you see, this political season was when I understood. Now, small digression. Apostle, don't let me forget where I went into my digression. In that I'm talking about the different levels and then why there's no depth. Is this political season? I understood that. Human means, I just understood the problem of God. God just looked at me, say, Banky, see me. I said, Lord, sorry. Do? These are your children. What are they? Forgive them. I, I felt like Moses. 
You just look at a stubborn and rebellious generation. I was going to pass the courage. I, I want to say, he said, no. he said, don't say anything now. He said, wait, give them like two months to calm down. He said, when they have calmed down, can you believe Christians utter statements like, they felt like the disciples felt when Jesus was taken because a man lost election. Honestly, you'd go mad. Your madness, if you can compare those two, do you get my point? Some things are not comparable. They are not comparable. I don't know whether you're getting my point. They cannot be comp. You know, people don't respect Jesus. That's what I understood. They don't respect him. That rubbish picture they took that time of a woman praying and a hand that looks like, that's supposed to represent Jesus Christ was giving her PVC. It was when I realized the lack of respect people had for the Lord. I was arguing with them. They said they don't see it like that. I said, you can't see it like that? What are you talking about? I couldn't understand. What, what beat me was that people could not see my anger. That, no, they, I don't see it like that. What I just see is that the pictures they encourage Christians to go and vote. Sorry, I, I'm not saying we should follow this. Muslims don't even allow you to sketch Muhammad. Their argument is that it's desecration. You bring such a holy man down to mundane images. We draw Jesus Christ, we don't have a problem with it. All the pictures are wrong, we know. And I know God deliberately didn't want us to have the real picture of Jesus. That was why he did not let, I mean, he didn't let all this art and all of that. He didn't do any of him. He could have had that arranged. Paul said, henceforth we know no man after the flesh. He said, if we knew Jesus after the flesh, henceforth we knew we know him thus no longer. What was he trying to say? He said, Jesus is not a Jew, he has flesh. So I have a, one teacher, I say that you, 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 the king is a Jew. I said, not Jesus Christ. Jesus is not a Jew. He's king of kings. He said, before Abraham, he cleared that one for them. Before Abraham, I am. Put it in rank, I'm first before Abraham. Abraham is my technically descendant. I'm not his descendant. David rejoiced to see my day. What are you talking about? Why did David call him Lord? He made it clear to them, guys, let's get this hierarchy straight. I think it's an insult to be referring to the king as a Jew. One man was preaching, the king is coming, he's a Jewish king, trying to emphasize to the world that you better love the Jews. I tell the Jews, better believe in Christ. Now, this is where I'm going. It shocked me that Christians didn't take offense at that thing. Please, let me get my emphasis. My emphasis is not diagram now. I just want to show you how some people have respect for their master. We sometimes, like, it's as if we don't. What I found offensive was that you implied that Jesus, no matter, he said, just, I said, no, get it right. You implied that he would interrupt a Christian praying and say, the answer to your prayer is your PVC. I said, that you can draw that, you don't know the power of God. You don't. Let me tell you the power of God, I understand. So I will say to you again, it is that if God anoints you and you're an apostle, evangelist, Apostle, prophet, and teacher. He will make the sultan endorse you. He will go to the sultan, not open his... He won't say, Christians, rally around. He won't. He won't. He will go to the sultan and say, this is my servant. I want him to be the next president. You endorse him. I, I mean, God does such things. In, do you know in Indonesia? You know Indonesia? He made a Christian their mayor. In a nation that's not at least 90% Muslims. And it's democracy. What's the name of the, the, the state capital? That's the nation capital of Indonesia. I think it's Jakarta. The mayor of Jakarta was a Christian. 
They had quarrels afterwards. So, of course, he had enemies, without doubt. But when they went to election, he won. He ran against Muslim candidates. He won. So everybody had turned the whole, of course, along the line, I think when he went to seek re-election, there was something he said. And some um, fundamentalists capitalized on it and caused trouble. But let me not go into that. What I want you to understand is that do you know that in a nation, in a nation that's not at least 90% Muslims, the mayor was voted for and he was a Christian. And as I keep on telling Christians, you could, you know, only way you talk, anyway, let me not sit on that. But just let people understand what? The power of God. I saw this election, just look at people. I said, Jesus. You know, I think there are times you want to call the Lord. Sorry. We came, we came to pay you condolence visit on the behavior of your children. You say, Lord, don't worry, please. Just anoint us. We'll go and preach. Lay hands on us again. Make our, make our words like fire. I'm talking about hardness of heart. You try to correct people. All you get is argument, argument, and argument. I was January 30, I tweeted for that. I said, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When I saw the... I got into discussion with people. I just got tired. I just posted it. I said, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. One of my friends replied it. He said, this is deep. I didn't say more that. No, I didn't say... Of course. When was I there weeping and gnashing teeth? I was rejoicing in the spirit. Why? At their weeping and their gnashing of teeth. Do you know why? Because paradventure, the Lord will finally be able to get across to them. Hardened hearts. This electoral prayer was when I saw it. You couldn't tell Christians anything. You couldn't explain anything to them. Once a pastor talks this way and it's not the way they are reasoning, that's it. Fire. And for me, just that I don't get into public political talk, I just get, that's the one I will use to identify who is my true disciple and who is not. Because if you were a true disciple of mine, if I say what you don't agree with, you should come to ask me questions, not quarrel with me openly. So all those pastors who, who, who rejoice in social media following, you don't have disciples. They, are, they see you like a celebrity. One of the things I try to avoid eh, in my life eh, is people treating me like a celebrity. Is the reason why I reject asking God nine out of ten invitations I don't accept. I said, I said, I said, look, my brother, they are looking for celebrity pastor. I am not one. If you are a preacher, eh? not only preacher, anything. So if you are doing ministry, it could be, it could be music and all of that. Be careful; they don't turn you to a celebrity. The world likes it too. There was one prominent minister in Nigeria at that time. Unfortunately, the person died, tragi- died tragically. Before that time, I used to complain. I said, they've turned this fellow to a celebrity. I used to complain. I said, they've turned this individual to a celebrity. Everywhere. Celebrity. I just said. <laughs> Ask my wife and people. I, I talked to her. One brother, hey, he wanted to argue with me then. The individual died suddenly. You see here, Panky. Could it be what? You? I said, no, I'm not talking. Please, I didn't say anybody would die. I just said, the world, they're always looking for celebrities. And God told Ezekiel, these people told them you are just an entertainer. He said, like, you are like one who plays skillfully on an instrument and sings with a beautiful voice. This political season, I, I just wanted pastors to say, you are celebrities. You are celebrities. That, that's all you are. That is why when you try to instruct with the word of God, nobody will listen. 
I will tell believers, please, leave candidates alone. Grip the throne. I hope I get my point. Tell God, I want that throne as a rock. So that even if a lizard sits there, you will possess by the spirit. And do your will. And let everybody be free to come to your church. Whatever party they are from. Or be, uh, show the alliance to. Let me quickly read something to you. Let's, let's quickly judge Regan in Nigeria. For those of you who don't, I have a, I have a judgment for Regan. How many of you have read my Regan judgment? Ah, all your hands are up. So I no surprise for anybody again. Oh. You, you, you didn't see it. Uh-huh, let me read my. We are going to invoke the judgment of God against Regas. Somebody say amen. amen. Regas, get ready. Regas, get ready. <laughs> now don't say amen yet. Okay, before, listen to this. Before you shout amen, eh? Wait for me to finish you. May God judge all Regas by fire, by thunder, and urgently too. Before you shout amen, wait and get my whole story. May those who rig wire can GC. By writing answers on the board for students to copy, may the Lord judge them. Don't shout amen yet. I never finish because your whole matter is coming. May he judge those parents who give their children money to pay vigilators. May he judge the school principal who connives with rigging by turning his eyes away, her eyes away when examination is being rigged. May the one be judged who rigs time, arrives at work at 10 and signs 8 o'clock. <laughs> so, oh, say 761. <laughs> write 761. That's called rigging. May the Lord judge the one who rigs receipts, collects blank receipts, and fills the, any amount of money he likes to submit in the office. It's called rigging. May the one who rigs quality of goods for sale be judged. Who sells Samsung instead of Samsung to the unwary customer? May be very judge who reads the fuel meter. So that he sells nine liters when you pay for ten. Which you're already overpaying for. May he be judge who reads power meter. He this he give you meter, you bypass that. Is that not rigging? Is that not rigging? And same judgment for the power company who rigs bills. Who builds an empty house, a hundred thousand naira? Nobody's living there. Ah, it is already a customer they rig. Let me not call the name of it. They all I won't call their name. Did I call their name? Let me not call their name. When you see rigging by the power company themselves, they just look at your house. Like somebody somebody said the worst thing you will do. For some of these power companies, I didn't call any name this time, did I? It's to pay the full bill they give you. Once you pay, they say you get money, double up. They will continue to increase until you start fighting. Let the Lord arise and judge the policeman who detains the innocent for a bribe. And may he judge the judge who perverts justice. Let judge, judgment come on those who rig university admission, who sell admission for money. May the Lord judge university teachers, teacher who risk cause for a price. I've seen them. You don't come for a test. They say just pay. They give you a score. May the Lord judge you. Most of all, will God not arise and judge the preacher who risks the word of God? Who preaches lies and gives testimonies of things that never happened? 
Will it not arise and judge those who rig the pulpit, who use it as a money-making tool, lying to the congregation so that they can provide more money? They know what they are preaching is not true, but it makes money. A man went to his pastor. He said, sir, this thing you are preaching is not scriptural. He said, if we don't preach it, our money goes to the other church. Yeah, he said it flat. See, this is your preaching. When did we start it in this denomination? He said, but our people are carrying the money to the Pentecostal churches. This was an Orthodox church. So we need to preach it so they can bring the money here. You know, things like redeem your firstborn. January salary is your first fruit. They didn't used to do it. But when they saw the, the Pentecostals were cleaning out. <laughs> so this is our brother. I went to the pastor and said, sir, why are we doing this? This is not our way. What did the pastor say? He said, but they are carrying our money to the other churches. We need to collect the money. Will the Lord not arise and judge that? Now, if you feel confident and safe that you and your relatives are all safe, you can now shout the amen. If you can't, just say, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> so you see, no, be only I get issue. All the sinners are there making noise. Reminds me of David when Nathan came to him. David just killed a man and took his wife. They said somebody took goat. He said, well, light a light. In this Israel, it will not stand. The man is a man of death. Bring him here. Nathan, they look like, my God. The sinners are the most judgmental. Go and read that story of David again before he starts making noise. The Lord is good. If God faces rigging in this country, those who are praying, Lord, come against rigging. God say, I have come against rigging. Say, Lord, thank you. But you, I'll first behead. Lord, what? Say, when last you stop for a red light? You are rigging traffic. When they say no parking, you pay the person to also monitor the area and you're okay with that not rigging. You want me to not judge one person who changed small figure. How many have you changed the office? The same people will be shouting rigging. God said, don't worry, I'm coming after riggers in this nation. And that's the word of the Lord I just gave you now. He's coming after riggers. So all of you that have your hand in one form of rigging or the other, pull out now. Let's get back to our message. Hardness of heart. The hearts of people can be so hard. On the surface, they look soft. While they come to church, they hear the word. They buy a CD. They buy a book. They sit down and read it. But one thing about the word of God is that it always makes demands. Oh, it always does. People think that grace, unmerited, everything is free. It's not true. It is, please get it, all right? There's always a part to play. Let me give you an example. I'm surrounded by a lot of lights here. Each of these balls is 100 watts of LED light. I can see the number of them. Okay? Wherever the power is coming from, the generating station or generating set, whatever it is, take that as the power of God. Do you get my point? I don't know how to push light into LEDs. I don't. Power into LEDs. The electrician has done his job. They wired everything. But you know what? Even though I'm not the one controlling the power coming from the bulbs all around me, Yet, if I don't push that switch, it's never common. Do you get my point? Power is being supplied to the hall. The lights are well connected. But this place will be dark until somebody walks over to one or two simple switches on the wall and just presses, presses them. Now, that press, can it generate power? No, there's no catch. Can it generate power? No, it can't. But without it, would there be power? Would there be light in this place? There will not be light. Even though the power is flowing around, you have such, so is it with grace. The thing that grace does in your life is very powerful. You can't pay. You can't do it yourself. However, the switch is always in your hand. It's always with you. 
And that switch is the demand that the word of God is making. And grace always makes a demand. It makes a demand. No, grace will make a demand. I like the illustration the person used. One young lady was coming to the to these meetings. She kept on coming. Like I said, that's the surface. She was understanding the word. But she knew that something was not right. So she came to him one day and said, Sir, I've been trying to follow everything you are saying. I don't know why I don't just have the power. So he looked. And as she was speaking, he was praying. Lord, give me a word for her. As she was done speaking, he suddenly understood. It's called word of knowledge. Just said to her, the young man you are living with, are you married to him? She didn't tell him anything like that. He just said, the young man you are living with, are you married to him? The girl looked like, what? It's a simple question, isn't it? He said, uh, he said he doesn't believe in marriage, that marriage is just a piece of paper, that love is what matters. The person said, that is what the problem is. The Jesus you are trying to follow does not accept that. What do I do? You have only a choice. You choose between him and Jesus Christ. The person said, I wish I could tell you that she made the right choice. She broke down in tears and ran away. That's just the way it is. Salvation is free. Now, just by the way, this common grace doctrine that's preached, we say it doesn't matter. Please, I want you to know it matters. That girl is not saved if she does not leave that house. It's a choice. See, grace does not just... It doesn't matter. No! Grace makes demands. It makes demands. So the story of one brother. I know him. Going to my friend's church. Great giver. That is, this guy used to give. My friend said, for the first time in the church, we could plan. That if we got an offering of 50,000, he gave 25. If the offering total was 100,000, 50 came from him alone. We knew his money was coming, we could plan on it. He said, but there's only one problem. Every time he gave, I was unsettled. Every time he gave, I would just be unsettled. So he, my friend went to pray. After praying, he said, I need to confront this brother. So he called him to the side one day. I said, my brother, since we came to this church, you have been a tremendous blessing. We never saw this amount of money before that. May the Lord bless you. He said, there's only one problem. Anytime you give, I'm unsettled. Talk to me. What's going on? That one said, sir, I have gone around churches. You're not the first church. I have given everywhere like this. Nobody ever asked me any question. He said, God bless you, sir. It is stolen money. We steal it. Uh-huh. From where? My place of work. We have a long list of ghost workers. I am the paymaster in charge. My guys in Abuja will do all the things, transfer massive amounts of money to me. After I've paid, I return it to them. They give me my cut. That is why I've been giving like a madman. It's not the love of God. It's conscience that will not let us sleep. So my friend looked at him and said, well, you know what you have to do. The man said, sir, you don't understand. These are dangerous men. He had to resign the job. Yes, he had to resign the job and go back to looking for what to do to make ends meet. Many of us, you know, those who preach funny grace would make it look like it doesn't matter. No. Grace demanded, oh boy, I'm counting, now for your information, this is how grace does. Grace says, I'm counting your days. I'm, I'm counting, I'm counting. Be coming, bringing your tainted offering. Leave it. Just be carrying it everywhere. But good man, that guy, the Lord, no, the Lord blessed him. I mean, I'm not talking about materially now, spiritually. He resigned the job. Because that was the only way out. 
He had to leave. One day you are earning millions on a weekly basis. Next day you don't know where the next meal will come from. But that was the cost of his salvation. If anybody tells you salvation doesn't cost you anything, they are lying. It will change your friends. The man that wants to die for you to marry you, God will say, no, you can't marry this guy. I'm sorry about it. No, I'm not sorry about it. You just can't. You want to die. Your heart will break. Jesus will say, I'll mend it back. That's my job. Give me stitches. 3-0 nylon. <laughs> the soldiers understand what I'm saying. <laughs> I will mend it at the mend. If I sew a heart, you wouldn't believe it. So as your heart is breaking, it doesn't care. He will even tell you, though. I told him once, <laughs> friend of mine came, visited me in Lagos. He was about to go abroad. And when he finished telling me the reason why he was going abroad, and me, man of faith, I was staying in Lagos, living in my poverty. When he finished explaining to me, I realized how selfish I was. He told me about all the problems in the family, that somebody has to go and look for money and help. He don't know me that I never had such a thought. All I was thinking about, God has a call, God has a place, God has a time. That's all I was thinking. Later on, I was to learn that the cost of salvation, Oswald Chambers said, is not to you, it's to those that you love. The impact of your decisions in their lives. That's, that's what will tempt you not to take those steps. I didn't know that at that time. But my friend finished talking to me. After he left, I broke down in tears. I was alone in my apartment then in Lucy, Diaraba. And I cried and I cried and I cried. And you think the Lord will come and say, Banky, put your head here. Sorry, my boy. How's it go? Ndo? Ogadima. You expected to hear that? You were looking and I said, This one. If you like Zugu, if you like don't Zugu, it's your problem. The Spirit spoke to me expressly. I heard it clearly. Except a man hates his father and mother and his brethren and his family, he cannot be my disciple. So you can lie down there and be crying, but I don't play second fiddle. Instantly, I wiped my face because I realized he didn't appreciate it. You are the one feeling sorry for yourself. He doesn't understand anything. Come on, get up. Quit he like men, the Bible says. Get up from there and move. I wiped my face like wicked soul. Yeah, he did it. the Lord didn't even like Pele, I will bless you. It's just for a temporary period. No! He said, get it clear. You have to hate your father and your mother and your brothers and sisters and your whole family members. Otherwise, you will not be my disciple. So your friend who's looking for money to help his family, it's his problem. He's not my disciple. So if God carries you, say, yeah, go to the bush and go a missionary. Say, no, you know, I, 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 you know, my family, they need me. It's the reason why they won't have you. That be careful. Listen, that is the point Listen, that people, the word starts bearing fruit. Because hearts are so hard, it can't penetrate. And I said next level, are those who the, the hearts are not that hard. The word penetrates. But there's another problem, it can't bear fruit. Why? Because of the case of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the loss for other things. See, that is why, if you're a preacher, be careful. Don't ever give people the hope that God didn't give them. Don't set a wrong motivation in their front. One day I went to preach somewhere. Very nice people. Conservative Christians. The kind of place you go. The women don't wear earrings. They don't use um, makeup. That's that kind of place. I went to preach somewhere in Abia State. We were there for a few days. So the last day, the main man who invited me, you know, he tried to talk to me that um, I should um, 
let people know that the sacrifice they are making for God will be worth it. I said, I don't have that assignment. Yes. I said, no, I'm sorry. They are sacrificing for God. It's between them and their God. If their God is not worthy of being sacrificed for, they should go to serve another God. I want to present in about my friend said, Banky, only serious Christians can listen to you. I said, that's the way it's supposed to be. I told, I know. I, 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 when I finish preaching, it's like, oh boy, you go scatter my church. I said, <laughs> because I made it clear to people. If you are waiting for God to multiply your money, something's wrong with you. Yeah, I made it clear to them. If your joy cannot come out of the fact that God finds your offering worthy of collecting, yeah, yeah better, no, better, better go somewhere else. If you are waiting for the time he'll st- turn your 1,000 to 100,000 and it may feel it will not activate it. <laughs> That's our CBN governor. I said, better leave that. Thing. I said, once you give the Lord a 1,000 naira offering, just thank him and keep on going. The money was not yours from the beginning. So just leave this thing. When I finished preaching, the guy said, oh, wow. His wife said, it's good. <laughs> His wife said, it is very... Now, for information, he agrees with me 100%. It's not like he disagrees with what I'm saying. He was just laughing. That this is evil. <laughs> that this kind of thing you are preaching. They were wrong. Yeah, that's what human means for you. And I take... Don't... Look, please, preachers, let's all conspire not to encourage people with nonsense. Because eventually, God will disappoint them and he will judge them. So let them know from the beginning. Let us know who is following one day Jesus looked, he said, Will you not go to? Peter had to look, say, Oh boy, go where now? He said, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Let people come looking for eternal life. This is what we find that people who are looking for temporary gain and everything they are doing is geared towards temporary gain. Is the reason they backslide a lot. Yeah, because after 10 years of intensive serving, the unbelievers are prospering materially more than him. So he's wondering what is going on. So he's disappointed. We served God. We walked in righteousness. Habba. We didn't go the way of the world. What is he giving us? As a preacher, don't ever give, don't give anybody any of those things. As encouragement. Sometimes we explain the fact that, listen, God blesses people. And which you should do. But you, people must never, don't say, as you are giving right now, God is about to, no. Leave it. Tell him, if he wants to multiply, let him multiply. If he won't multiply, it was a pleasure serving him. That's it. Great pleasure serving him. Let him know that. And that's what you are thinking from the bottom of your heart. Because if you don't do that, you, multi, you, you multiply in the congregation. In the body of Christ, people who, are, who stop at that third level, they serve, they serve, they serve. They, 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 like, you know, they, of course, they hear the word, they understand it. They, the word grew in them. It has depth of earth. Time to produce fruit. Because many times, what happens? Before God launches what he really wants to do in people's lives, he has to test them to be sure that thing is not what they are holding on to. Let me give you an example. Your name is Daniel. He will let you know that if you can follow with the king and you will lose your position. I don't know whether you're getting my point. For example, Daniel, powerful man. The whole of the country, there were about, I think, three or four people on a particular level. Ministers, that is, the king is above. Then all the commissioners and ministers, whatever you want to call them, the way they, uh, 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 they line them up them, all of them were under four senior ministers. Three or four. And Daniel was one of them. But the section controlled by Daniel was the one that was always doing well. The country moved well under Daniel's section. So the king said, this is what I'm going to do. That I'm going to remove Daniel, use somebody to replace him. Then let all of them 
on that level, now report to one new guy who will be the prime minister. And the other senior minister said, no, things will spoil. So they needed to knock Daniel off. So did all kinds of investigations concerning the life of Daniel. Nothing. The accounts, nothing. <laughs> Daniel had never rigged anything. So see, the only place where we can catch him, this is why I'm talking about it. That's why I'm talking about it. It's when it has to do with his, the, the, his God and the laws of his God. Now, for them, there was conspiracy. But for Daniel, the Bible says, Beloved, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials. What God was doing is to let Daniel know, all right, you make it your choice. You see, temptations don't come once and they leave you alone. Periodically in your life, they keep coming back. They are to strengthen your faith. God is using them to promote you. Jesus was not tried only in the garden. And sorry, in the wilderness. He was tried every day after that. When people came to make him king, that was trial. It's the same thing as bowing down to me and I'll give you all the kingdoms. You must understand that. So the trial continued. So in the life of Daniel, the same thing. He came into Babylon, he made the righteous here and his friends, but the trial will continue, he'll come back once in a while. So what happened was that God said, Daniel, you can fall out with the king if you disobey him. Or you can obey him and he'll promote you. Daniel said, I've made my choice from eternity. Pray to another God. And for your information, people don't realize it. What they were trying to do, I found out that no, God just gave me understanding one day. And people do it today. It's called canonization. They were about to canonize the king. Yes, they wanted to prove to him that he's a God. Remember why God killed Nero? This is the voice of God. They used to do it to kings. Pharaohs were worshipped as God. Kings were worshipped as God. But just like these days, if you see, when the Catholic Church wants to make somebody a saint, they say, go and make intercession in the person's name, and they have to have two miracles verified. It's, old, it's not new. It's not a Christian practice. It's something that people have been doing eternally. That was what they wanted to do with um, Odarius that time. They say, you are a god. They say, what do you mean? You are a god. They say, okay, let's experiment. In the whole land, no other god we pray to apart from you. And then let's see the results. Let's see whether women will not bear smoothly. Let's see whether the harvest will not increase. Let's see what will happen with the weather. It was supposed to be an experiment to prove to him that he is a God. Daniel was messing with that experiment. Daniel said, no, you are not my God. You are subject to my God. This kingdom, Abba, we knew it was coming. Did I not prophesy it to the former king? Don't forget, you know, he was the one who interpreted the dream for Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel said, lie, lie. We will kill you. Eh, I'll go and meet the real God. Leave this thing. It was trial for him. That's the point I'm making. So in case you don't understand, that's exactly what happened. Except that when the plot finally came through, the king realized he fell into a trap. Which was the reason he killed the men. Uh, no, <laughs> if you don't read your... See, may God give you understanding. This is a so clear scripture. No, think about it. Daniel did not die in the lion's den. Why should the other people die in the lion's den? Did they break the law? Did you remember this story? Daniel went to the lion's den. The king felt so bad. that, But they had a law that even he was subject to. They literally had what they call the rule of law. The king was subject to the law. And meanwhile, he made the law. He signed the decree. They said it's the decree of the Medes and the Persians. It has to be carried out. So the king begged Daniel, I'm so sorry. So he went in to go and sleep. And, sorry, went to his chambers and refused to sleep and prayed the whole night, begging the God of heaven. To have mercy on him and on Daniel. Early morning, he rushed back. 
The decree was that we'll throw into the lion's den. Abi, she, we have done it. Yeah, come out. Daniel was still there. Now that everybody now calm down now. Now why did he throw the other men inside? Because he found that it was a plot. They didn't think he was a god. They, they, he found out how these men insulted his intelligence. He says, is that the way it is? Give me them and their households. Three all of them inside. I said, you to go and rest there. If, you are, if, if, you, if your principle works, you to be saved. Lions <laughs> have been angry. They were not allowed to eat Daniel. They released that anger. As, before they reached ground, come. <laughs> I'm sure they were not even burning to eat. They were just killing people. What I'm going to say is that, listen, that's what temptations do. That's what God does with temptations. Before he promotes you, he will try you. That blessing he wants to give you, he wants to show, he wants to know. Will you hold on to this blessing? Which is, is, a, is a what I call the Jerobram principle. God gives people a blessing. They will sacrifice God to hold that blessing. Yes, now. Jerobram was a, was a rebel leader, you know that? Yeah, he was a rebel leader. He ran away to Egypt to go and relax for a while. So God said, well, I'm going to make him a replacement for the house of David. So Solomon died, his son Rehoboam took over. Then they called Jeroboam that your enemy, King Solomon, was dead because he was a rebel. Solomon was after him, that's why he ran away. So he returned. Now when he returned, the prophet Ahijah met him and said, Thus says the Lord. Let's make a long story short. I'm removing the, uh, the kingdom from the house of David. I'll give them two tribes. You, hold ten. Now let me ask you a question. Did this scheme for that? When the people rebelled against Rehoboam, because you know the story, he, of course, determined by the Lord, of course, we know. Now, what I intend to teach you, I hope I can get there, is to, to, for us to understand the power of God. Because faith comes from understanding the power of God. It was determined by God. Rehoboam had no choice. He, revo- he, 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 he rejected sound counsel that would have established him. Why? It was determined by God that he's going to lose that throne over the whole of the nation of Israel. The people of Israel sat amongst themselves and said, hey, where is that man? Charismatic fellow. Good leader. Who had a problem with Solomon? They sent for Rehoboam and by themselves installed him as king because it was the rallying point. If you, had, if you were against Solomon then, you rallied around Rehobo, Jeroboam. So Jeroboam came and they said, you will be the king. And that's how he became king. Yet as soon as he became king, now, that God made him king was clear. The prophet of God came to him. This is what will happen. And it happened the way they... Pro- Not the way they are where our prophets are saying it now. Can I digress more? Fair prophet. One major assignment you will do is tame your emotions. Be calming down. Yeah. Be calming down. You have to learn to calm down. Prophetic ministry requires a lot of discipline. Now... All ministries do. Alright? But because of the way the prophetic goes, I think they should be more careful. Let me tell you how God used to train prophets. Their children will die, their wives will die, and they say, don't cry. Yeah. You look like, what kind of job is this one? Yeah. God just wake you up and say, oh boy, today I'm removing the wife of your youth, the love of your life. What? Yeah. I'm going to kill her today. And I don't want you to cry. You know, we have this proverb that you can't build a child and then not to cry. It's not God. God will beat you and warn you. <laughs> and tell you clearly you will not cry. He took the children of Aaron and said, Aaron, shh. 
Aaron watched his children die. And God said, shh. You don't remove your garments for them. You don't mourn them. Return to work like nothing happened. That's prophetic discipline. If you don't have, you don't try and prophesy. I've seen prophets again and again. This is not an insult. It's not, I'm not, I mean, I probably would do the same thing because of the weakness of the flesh. So I'm not trying to insult anybody. They'll be prophesying. You'll just be looking. Me and my friend, Pastor Craig, we say, this one are flesh now. Those of, those of us observing, you can see the flesh oozing from the prophecy. Sometimes you look closely. You know when the spirit started and when the flesh took over. A man came to town once. I was there. He began to prophesy. He said the Lord spoke to him. And I was excited. He began to narrate his prophecy. It was so clear it was God. He didn't need anybody to tell you. It was clear. Following scripture. Bam, bam, bam. Then he finished narrating the vision and the revelation. Then he continued. As soon as he continued, my heart broke. He had left the spirit. He had gone into the flesh. Why? Because of relationship. Let me explain. Maybe it comes now. He loves kingdom. Okay, yeah, let me give you an example. David Wilkerson. David Wilkerson one day, he came to Ora Roberts. Now let me explain something to you. Ora Roberts was America's number one televangelist. They knew Ora Roberts anywhere. He used to raise money a lot for a lot of projects. He built Ora University. He now built a complex. The faith, is it faith medical center or something? They had this beautiful complex. And a lot of people were going there. The doctors, as a rule, you have to be a Christian to walk there. Before surgery, doctors will join hands and pray. Oh, Kenneth Hagin, I listened to one of his messages, he says, such a pity the place had to close. It was, it was a talk of the world. Everybody, it's not a medical school. It was producing doctors. Oh, everybody loved it. There was in his office one day, David, they said, David Wilkerson is looking for you. Let him in. Ah, my brother, how are you? My brother said, the Lord said I should tell you, shut the whole thing down. Did you hear what I said? He said, the Lord said, shut it down. Close the medical center, close it down. Everything medical, just shut it down. Close it. Orabo was like, what? So he took, now this is where I'm telling the story. He took the man out. Come, let's take it. It's true. They went from one floor to the other, from the theater to the laboratories to the world to the clinics. And he showed him how beautiful the place was and the kind of great work that they were doing. And of course, David Wilkerson too. Flesh will come in. He, he too looked at the whole thing. My God. <laughs> now, wow. So when they finished, um, so Robert said, so what do you think? He said, it's very beautiful. The Lord said you should close it down. That guy in our spirit. Now, see, I'm going. A lot of prophets will have moved at that point. Yes. See, David Lucas himself was like, What? This is something. Wow. <sighs> when they finished, <laughs> Robert wanted to intimidate him. He said, So, what do you think? He said, This is very nice. So, this is great work. So, such a pity. But the Lord said, I should tell you, close it down. And he left. Robert did not close it down. He con- oh, he continued. The thing closed by itself. That building is now an office complex. Inhabited by unbelievers, Christians, Muslim, pagans, everybody. Yes. He didn't close in that. God said, no problem. God starved it of funds. They went bankrupt. Oh, the rest of us are excited. God said, 
we found out that God, the Lord actually spoke to Wilkerson. So when he wouldn't shut it down, God said, no problem. The place shut down by itself. They sold the building for, I forgot how many million dollars. Was bought, was broken to the image. They cut it to pieces, turned it to office complexes. Place became history. Why I told the story is to see the point in which Wilkerson almost shook. But he has such a strong discipline. He said, no. I know what I heard from God to tell you. This place is closing down. And it closed down. This prophet was telling me, by the time he finished that day, I realized that what was his problem? Emotion. When he saw what he, the revelation God gave him, and his emotion crept in, the man the Lord sent him to, and the project and everything, he was emotionally involved. When he interpreted the vision, I shook my head. I said, no, sir. This is not the interpretation. So if I had that issue, because what we feared will happen, happened. And his prophecy did not come to pass. Now, the vision was real. I, I, I can put my money, like we say, on it till tomorrow. What was just wrong was his interpretation. So if you are a prophet, you have to discipline yourself. Before God can show you who will win our presidential election, he has to be sure of all the 18 candidates and especially the four leading candidates, you don't care about anyone. Once you care about anyone, your vision can never be accurate. Unless, of course, it goes against it. You understand? And which, ah, look, <laughs> Emmanuel Kure said something. Now, I didn't hear him directly, but it was reported to me. Now, I'm not saying he's right or wrong, but this, this is something that impressed the person who reported it to me. He said that his favorite candidate is this person. The whole church went into rejoicing. For like 10 minutes, he couldn't calm them down, I heard. Massive congregation. Calm down, they wouldn't calm down. Hey, our guys endorsed our man. When it was done, he said, God said I should vote for the other person. Everybody went calm down. He said, listen, this is what the Lord has led me by all my life. He said, personality is my favorite candidate. He said, but the Holy Spirit told me, vote for this other person. The whole church was sober. <laughs> See, as a prophet, eh, I tell prophets, be careful. Be very, very careful. We've gone there before. When we were in school, those days, we said, pray about this. Lord, we went and prayed. And as the Lord began to reveal, I remember the first revelation, I said, the Lord, no. Ah, the whole thing shut down. Everything I got from prayer after that, everyone was wrong. Then when the whole thing came to pass, I remember that the first thing that the Holy Spirit said was correct. But it angered my flesh. So I said, Lord, how can you see that kind of a thing? It's all like, all right, I'm not talking again. And anytime God stops talking, you start hearing rubbish. Digression for prophets, right? Get back to our message. So that is why we have to be careful, though. When the want to wants to bring forth fruit, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the loss for other things will come in and choke that word. So it's possible for somebody. That's, that's the reason Christ people backslide. So this guy went to school together. Hey, he was hot. He was hot on fire. But he did not uproot the thorns. It was, you see, that's why I tell people, eh? Even me, maybe if I preach it to you before, I'm so sorry, I won't say it again. Just continue now. God will bless you later. Hey, 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 wait. see, see, as you did now, live on like that. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Don't, don't do anything that can, you know, God, you go pay me. God is not planning to pay anybody. What I just say is, continue serving the Lord. In due season, He will manifest the destiny He has for you. I am not promising you that if you serve Him today, now, tomorrow you make you a millionaire. Do you get my point? I wasn't there. I don't know the plans he has for you. 
if your name is John and he's sent to go and baptize, at the age of 30, 30 there about, they are going to behead you and it's not my fault. I hope you're getting my point. So if I met at the age of 16 and I'm encouraging you, serve the Lord, serve the Lord, serve the Lord. One day you are going to be great. Solomon served God, he became the king. David served God, he became the king. Joseph served God, he became the prime minister. You to serve the Lord. Oh, do you know that Daniel, he went into Babylon and he was serving God. And then he became a ruler. Oh, what about you? Your time is coming. If your name is John the Baptist, they are going to behead you. All this generation of the generation does not apply to you. The moment Jesus comes back, they are arresting you. They are locking you up. And when Jesus will hear that you have been taken into custody, he's going to start preaching the same message you were preaching for you to know that your time don't go. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then one day you will stand and say, are you the one to come? Or what, uh, we have to expect another. They will behead you shortly after that. I hope you get my point. If you are Moses, if you want to enter the promised land, just be careful. Otherwise, you will see with your eyes, your feet will not enter. Because the more you serve the Lord, the more you know the Lord, the more impatient he is with you. He's a very patient God, though, but he balances it with knowledge. When you are in ignorance, any rubbish you do, he's forgiven. When you know so much, when you know the power of the ages to come, when you've tasted the good word of God, and yet you go back, say there's no more repentance for you. When you know him so well, he calls you the meekest man on the surface of the earth. And that gives you an instruction. Cross at that junction. You say there's traffic. Cross at this junction. That's it. Say you will not get there again. Come back. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. And I said, no, I'm not great sorry. Lord, I just missed it by one junction. Say, but I specifically told you, you know the importance of junctions, don't you? I gave you the power to cross. What you just needed was one minute of patience. You are becoming impatient, my guy. Come back home. What about the promised land? I will show you. Let's enter a drone. So now I put Moses inside a drone. <laughs> now the drone fly over the whole land. Moses come back home. Because to whom much is given, or is expected. What am I going to emphasize? That's why I tell people, don't, I, I don't preach that thing to anybody. Just, I see pastors serving a small church, thinking that one day they will build a 100,000 seat auditorium. Leave that thing. They ain't building anything like that. Anyone God sends to you, serve them very well. You'll be in a denomination waiting for transfer. Covetousness is worrying you. If you cannot enjoy preaching the word where you are, one pastor should hear this, alright? What God has sent you to do is to go and teach the word of God and release revelation, document it for people, you know, to be blessed by. Watchman did not have a big church. He spent most of his adult life, that senior life in jail. Yet, millions read his books. The woman who taught Watchman Nee, the, the Priscilla of his life. You know, you know Apollos? Priscilla and Aquila took him aside and instructed him in the way of the Lord more accurately. The Priscilla of the life of Watchman Nee was a missionary woman in China that used to sit like eight to ten of them down and instruct them with the word of God. The things that he taught Watchman Nee, millions ready from Watchman Nee. So you pastor that are looking for a big congregation, don't let me say this. Alright? Even though I believe it, I just don't want to say it. No. It's for preachers. When we are talking, we'll talk it on our own. But the point I'm making is that be content with what you have been given to do. When you have that large congregation, you will be doing wedding, you will do it. Ah! You will settle quarrel. 
you go settle quarrel, you go tire. Yeah. I was telling my wife yesterday now we were just in the house. I said they should pay pastors the salary of psychiatrists double. Yes. One day one sister came to our house. We were talking. I didn't know my wife was there. That she said she was there. I told her something that I talked to. You know, I can't even remember exactly what. But I told her something that happened. How the person called me, and I told the person this and this and that. She just said that's fifty thousand naira. I said, what did you say? He said normal counseling session. That thing you just did, sir, is fifty thousand. I said now okay, they do free of charge like this. He will give people an appointment. Go talk, 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 talk. Half of them won't hear what he said. She told me, says sir, that is fifty thousand. I said what? By the way, in America, in Europe, most of the psychiatrists they have don't prescribe drugs. They just listen to you talk nonsense. Yeah, they just sit down there, just be talking your life away. One hundred dollars a session, an hour. The people know they are not getting anything, but they need to talk to somebody. They can't talk to their friend because he has to go to work. So they say they are sick. The psychiatrist will book an appointment. You'll sit down there and be talking. we listening to you. So they have psychiatrists, clinical psychologists. Their job just to listen to you. And they help you. They can't really help you. Most times you help yourself. When you finish talking, talking, talking. One day they say one particular man, an American president sent for him. He's his friend. He was under a lot of pressure, like President Buhari now. You know, Supreme Court is saying one thing. INEC is saying one thing. So the president was under a lot of fire. His own international relations, problems, and all of that. So he sent for his friend to come and give him advice. So the friend arrived. This is very interesting. I read one of these books. So they, they, they let him into the president's um, office. Hey, my friend. Let's assume the president's name is Jude. Jude, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making time to come. Oh, boy. This work is something. Else. Look at what is going on. The president spoke constantly, continuously for like 45 minutes. Jude said nothing. At the end, he said, thank you very much. I'll do what you have said. That your advice is the best thing. <laughs> Jude didn't say a word. More than, mm, all right, okay, yes, that's true. That's all. He didn't say anything more than that. So after this guy talked for like 40, 45 minutes, he thanked the guy. Thank you so much for the time. Just what you have said, what I'm going to do. I think I now know what to do now. He advised himself. That is, he did not know. As he kept on talking and talking and talking and talking, he was hearing himself, he was counseling this, saying this. Finally, he balanced everything. And said, Jude, thank you. You've been a great help. I'll do what you have said. Meanwhile, the guy said, nothing. So I told my wife, I think, you know in Nigeria, who do we call? Pastor now. Your wife annoys you, we call pastor. When they give you good food, you know they call okay with you. You chop them all by yourself, wicked soul. Don't worry. If not fear of God, we will push charge for this thing. To call that line, 10-5. To enter the office, you drop, like somebody said, you drop a seed according to what, what you want God to do for you. <laughs> if you want to hear the Spirit clearly, the note must be clear. You can't go and use old notes to hear new Spirit. Just you have a lot is good. Anyway, okay, please be content where God has kept you. If you're a pastor, for you to be praying for a church of one million people, by the time you are doing with counseling and wedding 
occasional barriers of grandparents and parents, you will not be able to do anything. I, I thank God for my life. I'm not, like I said, I keep on, you know, with trepidation, I work with the Lord to be sure that we are doing what he's supposed, we are supposed to do. At least I'm happy. There's another book we have out now. It's almost out. It's already with, sent it to the printer already. All right? Titled, Receive the Spirit. So that is the job I have. If I sit down constantly and I sit down well, I can release four or five books in a year. If I remove all distractions, I feel that's my assignment. God helping me before the, I don't know whether we'll do another one. Oh yeah, there's another one lined up now. I don't know how big it's going to be. I'm starting that one shortly. Just keep writing. I'm, t- I'm giving somebody counsel. Stop looking for big congregation. After what you are looking for is your birthday present. Yes, now. Your congregation is big every year. Something loud must land. I know what you are looking for. Pastor, you have labored. Carry your whole family, go to America. That's what they are looking for. Many of us, when God gives us the big congregation, we become politicians, telling who to vote for. Which, which is a sin. Which is a sin. I saw a quote, which I knew anyway, that that's his opinion. He taught us that Kennedy Hagen, the head of the Bible school in Nigeria, he tweeted it. A quote from the, the old man now, Kennedy Hagen Jr., who used to be Jr., Ken W. Hagen. For what can E. Hagen, so this is Ken W. Hagen now. For what can E. Hagen used to say his father? His father told him clearly, keep politics out of the pulpit. I don't know why pastors can't just learn simple instructions. Keep it away from the pulpit. He told him clearly, he said his father told him, keep it away from the pulpit. But I hope won't learn that. We start selling things, telling who, who, people which, where to buy a house. I see them, they come to town all the time. Pastor will sponsor somebody to come and talk on investment. When investment comes, scatter now, church members, you don't know, people actually trust your recommendation. They don't do their due diligence anymore because Pastor gave the fellow platform. You know, the guy came to sell them crypto. At, at the end of the day, their money will run. One man said that, uh, when they told him that uh, the person that he said, look at what happened now, he told the people that, no, if the business had done well, we have come back. I said, that is irresponsible. You were the one that exposed the people to this individual. You can't shy away now. I know pastors that in all these pyramid schemes, they recruit all their church members. No, I mean, come on. That's misuse of authority. The reason why God gave you this authority is to instruct people with the word of God. I'm telling preachers this morning. Don't misuse it. You see, everything like that, look, you have to be careful. You have to be very careful. Because you are, you are going to be judged for it. Your job is to give people the express word of God. At the end of the day, who you vote for is your personal problem. I mean, you see prophets going on, eh, go and vote for this person. I say, God, have mercy on this guy. You have prophesied. I, I, I put a remark for the individual. I say, you have prophesied, go and sit down. You have prophesied, go and sit down. If your prophecy comes to pass, good. If it doesn't come to pass, either God didn't speak to you or he changed his mind. Ah, yes, no. Did he not change his mind in any way? It's a simple thing. If you prophesied, it didn't come to pass. It's one of two things. Either God didn't speak to you. Or, between the time he spoke to you and the time the thing manifested, Hezekiah prayed. The desire not go to Hezekiah. Put your house in order. For you will die. And not leave. Hezekiah was going out. He never even reached outside. You know, this is just a common, he, had be, he had to greet one security man. You know, chat with one of the assistants of the kings. In all that period, the king don't face the war. Ah, ah, how about God? Is it good like that? So his guy now said, okay, call his driver. As the driver was reversing, he's about to enter the car. Eh? 
The Lord said to him, Ezekiel, go back. Go and tell him, I've given him 15 more years. He said, Lord, excuse me, make up your mind. You just, just a short while ago. You said you told him he will die, he will not live. Now you said I should go back and go and eat my words. The Lord said, precisely. So the guy went back and I said, the king. You know what makes it more annoying? I don't think the Lord told Isaiah why. That is what, that's what happens now. Just, just, just go back. Okay? He said 15 more years for you. Eh? He heard me. Oh, you asked him. Okay. 15 more years. And then he left. So what is the big deal? Will you be the first prophet that God changed his mind on concerning? God prophesied to the house of Eli. Then one day one man came and said, God, I should tell you he has changed his mind. Yes. Why he changes his mind? Usually, you may not know. But we know the general principles. In Eli's case, the promise was he had an attached requirement. You honor God. He did not honor him, so he came back and said, not, not again. Ezekiah's case, he begged. Nineveh, they repented. Oh God, that's why prophetic job is very funny. You embarrassment. He embarrassed Jonah. Jonah was so angry. Followers on Twitter reduced. Instagram, the job became blocked and false prophet, false prophet. But he had gone around tweeting, Nineveh will be destroyed. Tweeted, the Lord spoke to me, Nineveh is going down. How long? In 40 days, thus says the Lord. I know social media is a place where people without manners talk to their elders. Yes. So I will say something. Say, no, Pastor, let me correct you on this one. I say, eh. Hey. Okay, go ahead. You see the thing the person is correcting because you want to tell him that you don't understand this thing. But of course, I don't engage in conversation as a rule. In fact, you don't find me on Facebook. If you ever see Facebook and you say, Pastor Bank, you just look at these people. They are the ones. It's not me. Anything they write there, they wrote it, not me. Twitter, yes, I do quit Twitter myself, but I put it there boldly. It's just for broadcasting information and messages alone. I don't get involved in conversation. You talk, I talk, you talk, I talk. Mm-mm. People don't, you know, and then you know things that somebody wants to tell you something. You know, like I told you, you want to tell the guy that this thing you are saying, eh? We discussed this thing eight years ago. And these are the seven things wrong with what you have said. But I know this fellow is not a disciple. Once I was, I went to Gil online those days, before these days in which, of course, three, before 3G came and we can all have a network in our homes and all of that. So we had to go to cyber cafes. I sat down. I was doing something in the computer. One young man walked up to me. He said, good, is that, good afternoon. Is that Pastor Banke? I said, yes. Oh, he shook my hand. He said, I listen to you on radio. I listen to you a lot. I said, well, that's nice. He said, I find myself disagreeing with you sometimes. I said, it's natural. You can't agree with anybody 100% of the times. And I continued what I was doing. He got my point and he left. I knew what he wanted to do. He wanted to start the conversation. He wants to correct me. He wants to tell me what I'm saying. I mean, well, he's not a disciple. I've ne- Did I walk to my teachers and tell them, say, oh, God, some of the things you say I don't like? I don't say that. It doesn't mean I like it. But out of respect, I can't tell him that. I just pray that somebody will correct him one day. Not engaging in a cyber cafe. Usually, of course, on political and economic matters. And when some people I don't like arguing with on such things are people that are generally under 30. Yes, now, they've not paid school fees. They've not called you that your father is sick and is near death. What do you know? 
You've not had to make decisions of life and death concerning your loved ones. Have you paid for land and they took it? <laughs> and you are here talking. <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. Why do people want to talk? Small small people want to talk. I just say, look. And look, listen, listen, listen. <laughs> There's a wisdom that comes with age and experience. I just look at the person and say, mm. oh boy, relax, relax, relax. We're not saying we are based on experience, but the word of God has been shown to us from the things that we have seen. So there are things I want to tell you, you can't bear them now. So when you pass through some things, the word become clear to you. David said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. So you need affliction to have understanding. Ah. Why did the Bible say, beloved, count your joy when you fall, fall into diverse trials? There are things that, look, <laughs> he said, that which was from the beginning, which we heard with our ears, which we saw with our eyes, which our hands handled, concerning the word of life. What have you handled? And I want to start, start telling, I saw one video the other day, beautiful, on YouTube. He said, the myth of the young entrepreneur. He said, the impression they give is that the, those who are successful in life, they typically you know they are young, they leave school, they don't go to school, school and scam. They were in the shop that, that they said is a lie. Harvard did a study on it and said it's a lie. The average age of a successful tech entrepreneur in America is late 40s. They say even those who started early, they usually make their impact in their 40s. That the few, the Mark Zuckerbergs are the exception. That most of them, it's a lie. Most of them are in their late 40s before they start. The Lord is good. Apostle, what is going on this morning? We're just scattering this message. <laughs> Let's get back to the real message. The Lord is good. Today, okay, I've been giving a lot of messages to prophets and pastors today. Yes. All right. Yeah, that's why I, the whole thing is scattered. But let's sit on the message. So, I, you know, I began this whole thing trying to emphasize to us, guard your faith. Let it be precious to you. It can leak. You have to build it. You have to guard it. I was saying that many people fail in faith for a number of reasons. I began to go through the stages that what should be most important to you is that you read that final stage, which is a stage of bearing fruit. And apart from reaching the stage of bearing fruit, you should want to score not just 30-fold. You should not be satisfied with 60-fold. You should not be satisfied with anything less than what? A hundred. And I said what the word does is to make demands. Break all those hard parts of your heart that will not let you yield to what the Spirit is saying. The emotional attachment to things must be broken. And I said, for those who have been very dedicated, the, problem, the area where they often have problems is that area in which, the, the final one, in which the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. That's why I went into all of that. Trying to emphasize that, please, don't let the cares of this world, don't be serving God, hoping that he will settle you on this earth. He has a destiny planned for you. So that's why I went into all of that, explaining. And I went into the matter of pre- uh, preachers. If you're a preacher, be preaching. That's the work of God for you. It is not a big... Congregation, that's the plan of God. The congregation will grow if you are faithful and you pray rightly and you do the work you are supposed to do. 
Listen to this. It will grow to the appropriate size. I use the word appropriate. Not necessarily the desired size. Size. The appropriate size. Your primary concern should be to continually be effective in life and ministry. Kenneth Hagin was a beautiful illustration for us there. He did not build a big church. God didn't even allow him to start a church. He made him an itinerant minister, going from one place to the other. Then one day, after they had been in ministry for over 30 years, one of their husband and wife, they said, this is a plan we have. Let's just start a small class and teach people what we have learned over, for over the last 30 years. He started quite early in life, before he was 20, he was in ministry. So now he was in his 50s when he was making this plan. So, as the wife narrated that to one of their close friends, I don't want to mention the name in case I'm mistaken or who it is, or who it was. As she mentioned it to one of their close friends, that one suddenly had the vision. And said, that's not what I see. Because they said they wanted to just have a base and be training ministers. Just a few young men, like 20, 50 of them, that would be good. They would teach what they've learned over the few, last few decades. And the man, as he was saying it, the man said, that's not what I see. And he was like, what? This is what I see. He suddenly began to narrate the vision God just showed him in a flash. That I see a large campus. I see students coming from all over the place. I'm seeing thousands of students. The woman said, no, no, please, sir, no, no. She was afraid that what do you want to do to my life now? You want to scatter this peaceful life that God has given us? And that's what happened. Indeed, he started with a handful of people. Before he knew what was happening, they grew to hundreds. They grew to thousands. They had to keep, keep on expanding. Next, they had to buy property. They had to buy a big plot of land, start building this, building that, building hostels, building classrooms, building halls. Next, you knew, their graduates were going all over the world. The next, they started Rima Alumni Association. Their Bible schools now spread all over the place, including the one we have in Enugu downstairs here. He did not ask for it. He came home to settle something small. So just be faithful. I don't know. I just have a word for ministers this morning. Didn't plan it that, that way. But please follow it. Just be faithful. And when God gives you a platform, don't misuse it. Don't misuse it. God didn't give you a platform. That, you know, please. Can I continue? Digression. If you want digression, say amen. Okay, good. I knew you would say me. I just wanted to blame you. That's all. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, this is what I'm going to say. When God gives you a platform, whether you're a preacher or not, please know why he gave it to you. I hope you're getting my point. Did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. If God gives you a platform, know why. People easily misuse their influence. There's a guy I saw on Twitter. Yesterday, I went to Twitter to check something. So, of course, Twitter will pop things in front of you. So I just said, let me just see what this guy is saying now. Now, he's normally known for health talk. Do you get my point? Health talk, health. Then I scrolled through his like the last hundred posts by him. It was politics. It was politics. Who to vote for? What Inek is doing? Results that are fake. The results that are not fake. Who's winning? What's going on in this country? I said, this is terrible. This guy has missed it. I come here for health talk. Never, ever mistakenly go to politics. Now, that's what I mean when I say people should be careful. If you're a preacher, I want to stay with preachers. God gives you a platform. Know what you are supposed to use it for. Even if you are not a preacher, God gives you a platform. Please know what you are supposed to use it for. 
some people will be demanding, take a stand. My stand is to do my work. I don't know whether you are getting my point. Those who, I know some people won't like it, but they, they, they will be abusing them. Hey, that's the problem. They are feeding from every government. No, they are doing their work. Do you see Dan Gote endorse anybody? You know why? He has sense. Most of us don't have. That is what the problem is. Some say, no, it's because he's feeding from every government. That is your problem. He understands the job he has to do. I cannot invest $17 billion building a refinery. I'll now risk it on one out of 18 people. You may say that there is, no, it's not love of money. It's focus. It's focus. It's focus. It is focus. I hear some ministers, and I just feel sorry for them. I say, okay, now, you spend your energy endorsing one person. Is one out of 18. Okay, let's remove um, 14 out of them. Out of four. Let's just be, use simple probability. 25% chance your guy will win. All right, good. So what if he loses? Then you have a new government who comes in and decides that your congregation is his enemy. I wouldn't have minded that if that's what God wanted it to be. How can a government take office and you're a leader of a big congregation, you cannot even go to him and come and say, sir, we came to pray for you. They just swore him in. All of you know, those of us who, who sit down or hang out outside and just, you know my political persuasion. But you can't guess it from the pulpit. You can't. You can't guess. That is, you see that your guess is wrong. The one you are so, sh- so brethren so close to me, one day one brother said, Oga, you mean you voted for, this was about uh, eight years ago. He said, but I thought you said, I said me. He said, no. I said, go and check the message and then let me have it. I said, you know what happened to you? You interpreted what I said. And in your interpretation, it fitted with your own candidate. So you decide that Oga must be endorsing my candidate. When God gives you a platform, know what he expects to use it for. I hope you're getting my point. Stick with it. The thing will grow. But remember, we don't allow the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the loss of other things choke our faith. That's what I've been trying to say all this while. Now let me now settle down into the main thing I planned to say. Let's see how far we can go with it. Remember, guard your faith. What did I say? Guard it. Guard it, please. I'm begging you. Build it. Let's quickly run through, before I get into the main message, let me run through some things to do. Number one, avoid, now, this is where faith leaks from. Wrong associations. I hope you're getting my point. Wrong associations. One of the things that happened recently in this political season in Nigeria, which is why I quarrel with some people over, I say, have you noticed that your prophecy, your prophecies and the gist in the beer parlor, they are the same? If I want to go to beer parlor, I don't need to go. It spills on the streets. I just use that beer parlor as a, a figure of speech. What I mean that the, the common opinion and prophecies descend to merge. And I say, why would God bother to prophesy on what everybody is thinking? Do you get my point? For me, it's one major sign that a lot of our prophecies are totally off. Because the last time I entered the taxi, what the taxi man told me is what the prophecy say. What is the big deal? The next last time I went to the mechanic workshop, what the people selling granite outside told me is what the Prophecy say, the last time I went to the barber's shop, as the man is barbing my hair, was prophesying too. It's the same thing. So I'm beginning to wonder, is this real prophecy? These are projections of man. Do you follow what I'm trying to say here? So that's what happened to a lot of us. We get contaminated with the world. So one of the things you must do, all right, to guard your faith is watch your associations. You have to be very careful. Watch the people you talk to. Be careful who leaks your faith. And you will know, you, there are people you feel talking to, you feel lower than when you started. You've not had that experience? Such people, they can't be your bosom friends. They can't be. Because eventually, they will affect you. 
Once those days I was in Lagos, my pastor said he had to stop reading newspapers. I never will forget what he said. He said he didn't realize it. That he was becoming a Nadeko prophet. What do they call Nadeko prophet? Many of you are too young. Nadeko. Oh, hey, okay. You know Bola Tinubu? Yeah, these are the Nadeko chieftains. They were the ones fighting for democracy. They fought the military. They fought Abacha. They fought for actualization on June 12. They were organized protests, running away. Many of them were in prison. Quite a number were killed. Alfred Rewani was shot in his own house. What was his sin? We think that he was funding them. He was a very rich man. In the house in the Kedjajiri, the same man wanted to see him. He came out. They shot him in the chest and walked away. Walked away. That was his end. It was the same time. Kudirat was killed. Later they said it was Sergeant Rogers. They were giving out those testimonies those days. But that was Nadeko. One man was blown up in front of the airport. Yes, ah. So Nadeko, they were in the forefront of fight for restoration of democracy in Nigeria then. This man that, the man that just won the president elect as at least, no, today, so, I'm not taking sides, alright? I'm just telling you. The person declared the winner now. He was one of them. If you hear his story, one day some people just let him, let him know, say, boy, you're dead meat. He ran away from the country on the back, on the back of a motorcycle, rode out across the border. Where he was hiding in a neighboring country. He went to make a phone call and he was coming back to his hotel. He saw some men standing there talking to the receptionist. So the receptionist was talking to them, gave him a small signal. He ran away. Didn't see his family for the next 18 months or so. Because his family had to hide in the UK, he had to hide in the US, you know, stuff like that. And because of the international, making long story, that's what Nadeko was that time. So you go to church, that's what I'm telling the story. You go to church, pastors were professing. Oh my God, we had professing. So my own pastor was very honest one day. If I had become bothered, I had become disturbed that what is going on is not right. Actually, one day I asked for permission to see him. But before I went, I lost heart. Why do I go and tell my ogre that what you are doing is not good? I couldn't. I lost the this thing. But then one day I was not in church. I heard. Maybe God heard our prayers for him. He came to church and said he wants to stop reading newspapers. He said, because without realizing it, listen to this. He said he had become, he was becoming a Nadeko prophet. Oh, Nadeko is short for National Democratic Coalition. So for those of you, if, if, if you see me not impressed by what is going on, I've seen it before. Men were prophesying according to the season. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And of course, we really have to be careful. That's the point I'm making. You have to be very careful. So why I tell that story is the newspaper thing. He said he had to stop reading newspapers because all the columnists in the newspapers, they were prophesying to him. He was sink, soaking in their prophecies and echoing it. You have to learn where to keep away from when it's time to build your faith. There are people that anytime you talk with them, they just have one assignment, ruin your faith. The only thing they are doing is ruining your faith. As you're talking, once you, are, you finish talking with them, before when you went, you were happy. You left their home. You just saw this country is going to die tomorrow. Suddenly it is clear to you that there will be no nation after next year. Before you left, it didn't feel so. Those are prophets of doom, not of God, but literally of doom. They are prophets of fear. Keep away from such people. Please build your faith by making sure it's good you came this morning to hear the word or you tune it from somewhere. You are hearing the word of God being preached. Please constantly build your faith like that. Listen to testimonies. Things that God has done in previous times. Make sure every time you are reading a book that's building up your faith. I recommend people like, um, what's the name of this man now? John G. Lake. 
His books build up faith. You read books like Adventures in God. I encourage people to always read you know, real testimonies. That's why I gave these stories that um, the recommendation at that time of books like, like a mighty wind, the gentle breeze of Jesus. Stuff like that that will tell you what the power of God really is doing or can do on the earth or has done in previous times and is doing right now. You will know things that build up your faith. Of course, do I need to tell you? You must study your scriptures regularly. Please remember, if your faith goes down, the plan of God for your life goes down. We're talking about the hundredfold. The hundredfold must be your target. There's nothing that God wants to do in my life that will not manifest in my lifetime. It must be a determination in your heart that your faith is not something that just grows accidentally. Did you hear what I said? No, don't let it grow accidentally. Let it grow on purpose. What do I mean by on purpose? Say, listen, I want to believe God for health. What does the word of God say concerning divine health? What's my destiny like? What's God saying concerning my destiny? What is God saying concerning his purpose on this earth? I want to understand it. If you have the quest to know and understand, then your faith builds up in that regard. That is, look, like I said, Pastor Corey said something once, and I keep quoting it. Say, people are sick. They say, we are believing God. He said, you are supposed to ask them. He said, as a pastor, somebody passed on then, all right? That's what brought the conversation. He said, how far? He said, I'm believing God. He said, I forgot to ask the individual. How are you believing God? Because many times people say I'm believing God. What they mean is that I'm not going to the hospital. But if they give them Chinese help, they'll swallow it. As far as I'm concerned, once you can take Chinese help, you may as well go to that hospital. That's the truth. Go there. A lot of people say they are believing God. They just mean they're they not doing anything. They're just wishing for, let the worst happen. Let's, let's pray the worst will not happen. Do you follow my point? So he said, how are you believing God? And that thing struck with me. It stuck with me that's, since then. I never forgot. There is a how to believe in God. You can't say you are believing God and you are not taking your God med- God's medicine. Did you hear what I said? You cannot say you are believing God and you will not take your God's medicine. God has a medicine you must take. All what I'm saying is clear. He has a medicine. What is the medicine? He said, my son, attend to my words. So you cannot be believing God and you are not attending to his words. So you can tell, look, when people talk about fasting, that's what fasting is. You should take a leave to walk on your faith. Yes. The testimony a woman gave me when I went to preach somewhere in Lagos, then was, and that one stuck with me again since. She said she woke up one day, found she had a pain in her foot. Went to the hospital, the doctor checked, checked, said that she had arthritis of some sort. And the doctor gave her medicines, a prescription. She got home, looked at the prescription, and something her said to her, is for her, you start this, you're never going to stop. And I told her, yeah, you're right. So she said, no, let me go and pray. She left home, traveled to a Christian retreat center, booked a room, for a few days. What they do in that place, they have Bible studies in the morning, they have fellowship in the evening. People are in different rooms. So she came, the day she arrived, as they were preaching the word, the man of God gave a, a, a word of knowledge that there's somebody here, you have a pain in your foot, the doctor says so, and so the Lord says, I should tell you that you have been healed. You know the thing? She still did her three days, studying the word of God morning, afternoon, and night. And by the time she left, the pain was still there. But she continued paying attention to the word of God, going about her business. Then one day she was walking around her house and she stopped and realized that she couldn't remember when the pain left. She did not know when the pain left. She was just going about her business and the pain left. But I liked this story because she said she took, she took time out. She traveled. I mean, traveled in quotes. I mean, yeah, it's travel. She left her home, went to another state nearby though. All right? 
to that retreat center. Say, let me go and feast on the word for a few days. That's what I'm going to say. You should be deliberate about it. One thing that I see in this generation that's very painful is the amount of ignorance people have. That's why I have the desire, God helping me to start. If I already make some preparation, I want to start a school of not, say this one you are, you are doing is not enough. Yes, so we have a lot of things to do. So I started a school of knowledge, school of skill, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Yes, that's it. Yes. The aim is to sit down systematically, God helping me, and teach Christians who take it one by one. What is sin? Let's explain what sin is. What is righteousness? 30, 30 minutes. The video to available also on audio. So you come, it's like school. I'm not giving testimonies. I'm not telling stories. There's no distraction. Just today we are talking sin. We'll quote all the scriptures available and explain what it is. The next time we're talking righteousness, we'll quote all the scriptures. The three types of righteousness in scriptures. The righteousness by works, righteousness of the law, and then the God kind of righteousness, righteousness by faith. We'll go through the scriptures bit by bit. When we are done, we'll go through, okay, what is holiness? How do you cleanse yourself of all defilement? Right now, the plan I have is to have at least 300 of those classes. Oh, not two, not two, not three. 30, 30 minutes. I intend to get them up to at least a few hundreds. So if you enter into the kingdom world school of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, you should come out of the place not being ignorant of spiritual things. We'll sit down, talk today, we are doing demons. What are demons? How do they operate? How do you overcome them? We'll do a series on maybe like 5, 6, 30, 30 minutes. When you finish, at least when you see a demon, you're doing it like, like this guy will run because he knows what you're talking about. You have to be deliberate. You have to be deliberate in building up your faith. You must be deliberate. You can't let it go down. Because what I'm saying to you today, look, this is what I'm saying to you today. If it does, you are cutting off parts of your destiny. You read the story of Abraham, you think Abraham is the only person God called. No, what did God say? Many are called. You know why I read the story of Abraham? Because the guy heard it. The word entered his heart. He understood it. Then the word went in deep. Those who the word is shallow in their lives. We didn't mention that. What happens? The moment there's persecution, they fall off. They fall off. There was persecution. He stood. Then the time came. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life could have truncated his own blessing also. But he said, no. Let it not be said that you made Abraham rich. He killed that one. He went 30-fold. 60-fold, we know. 30-fold, he let Lot go. 60-fold, he let Ishmael go. 100-fold, he let Isaac go. Is the reason why his story is in your Bible. There's one guy, I don't know, Ibrahim or Jehoram, I don't know. He stopped at 60-fold. God didn't write that story. It will not encourage you enough. That's the point I'm going to make today. There's another guy. His name is maybe Juchebed. I don't know. He got to 30-fold. God said, mm, I don't need that story. There are many 30-folds in the Bible. I don't have time to go through Asa. You will see Asa. Asa did 30-fold. Solomon did 60-fold. And he fell off. David did 100-fold. There were many people. Demas, he did 5-fold. <laughs> After that, he ran away. <laughs> Demas has departed from me. Why? The loss of the eyes, the loss of the flesh, and the pride of life. Demas departed from me, having fallen in love with this present age. Ran away to Thessalonica. Timothy, the little we know, he did a hundred. Why? He has served with me in the course of this gospel, like a son serving his father. That was the testimony of Paul concerning Timothy. 
Epaphroditus. He labored until he almost died. Serving Paul in the course of this gospel. That's what I'm saying. You look at your life, I say, look, the assignment God has given me, I must hit it a hundredfold. My personal life, I must hit it a hundredfold. And these things come deliberately. You will be deliberate about it. Listen, let me tell you something. Before you make any important choice in life, let's start from below. Before you get married, no matter, you know, there are people that they are your dream come true. Let me say, okay, a young woman. See, bro, they go to church. Hmm? The guy goes to church. Two, he's very handsome. In fact, he looks like Pastor Bank. He's <laughs> a handsome guy. Okay, forget it. He doesn't look like Pastor Bank. He's much more handsome than Pastor Bank. Yeah, all right? Then, he's well-to-do financially. He may not be like a $10 or one of those boys, but at least, he's okay. Very Not just small okay. Very okay. You know that kind of thing that for your wedding present, you can buy you a brand new Camry. I mean, not, a, not too bad. They don't like to buy expensive cars. If you wanted to do that, you'll like give you a Range Rover. He now loves your mother. You know, there are some people, they love your mother. And he's passing by, he goes to greet your mother. He's so nice to your whole family, and he wants to marry you. Listen to me. He goes to church. Remember what I said? He goes to church. Let me tell you, the worst mistake of your life will be marrying that guy without taking time out to pray. You know why? Because if the devil wanted to marry you, this is exactly what he would look like. You think the devil is a fool? He wants to marry a Christian girl. He won't come to church. He joined the, ah, usher number one. See, see the way Chief became sitting down there. He will displace Chief became. Chief became, you go and sit down. <laughs> he will sit. Good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Everybody. Good morning. He will be so nice. That is what devils also do. That's why the Bible said, charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. Now, vain will, beauty we know is vain. So this handsomeness is zero. But what the Bible calls favor, King James, or charm in some scriptures, in some versions, is that thing I just described. He goes to see my mother. He's so nice. He doesn't raise his voice. See? Why is your wife laughing? Most very nice guys are dangerous people. I didn't say all. After I'm a nice guy. If you see a very nice single guy like that, checking with suspicion. Niceness to women is out of experience. We are hardly we are hardly nice when we are young. See, the thing I've learned in twenty three years. She is my wife. I don't want to tell her I handle her so that she will not know. She doesn't think I'm nice anyway, because she's asking for a level of niceness that's not humanly possible. <laughs> okay, when you reach here for you, Jesus Christ will do that. <laughs> I'll do that one for you. Something is asking me to do. I can't, I don't understand how to do it. So, Pastor, pray for grace. As if they give me grace, I still will not do it. You... <laughs> Look at the way she's eyeing me like, let me stay on this side. <laughs> the Lord is good. What I'm saying is, when you see a man that is too nice like that, eh, you have to ask yourself whether you are the one that smoked something. Yeah, yeah. You, you can be so high, you are not seeing anything. What am I saying? The greatest mistake you make in your life is to marry that kind of human being I just described without intense prayer. And I don't mean this kind of prayer that God put a stamp here in the name of Jesus. Stamp it just says, Go, my servant, go, my daughter, go. That's a balamic prayer. That's not what I mean. I mean, it's the kind of prayer that you are going to say, Lord, 
I came to say I am not doing. That's it. That is the, the, when you, you, you mean it like God, say no, your servant listened. Yeah, because the natural flesh is yes. So God will not struggle to say yes. So you can be here, before you enter the place of prayer, you're here, yes, my daughter. They can understand. Yes, I say again. Yes, so. Yes, so. That's how you be shouting yes, so. It's not God that is speaking. It's your flesh. As your flesh is speaking, it's bouncing off the walls. Hitting your ears. Sometimes you go to your friends. Let us pray. Go to your pastor. I need to pray. And please, if pastor says no, believe him. Not because, I mean, it's not competing with you. What I'm going to say is that critical decisions of your life, please pray first. Before you leave one job and go for another, especially when you have human reasons to do it, pray harder. Keep on praying. What I'm trying to say is this. Because junctions in which your life change is decisions that you will be making at those junctions. And they must be made guided by the Spirit of God. And please, go and read my book, Guided by the Spirit. There's a reason why. Because, you see, the problem a lot of Christians have, when they say their spirit is leading them, is not really the Spirit of God. One teaching that has undermined right work for believers is this idea that our spirit is pure. That thing is not good. I know people be sure. Pastor, what do you say? It is not because the spirit of Christ in you is not pure. It is that it is wrong for you to say your spirit cannot be defiled. They say pray until you hear your spirit. I don't believe that thing. The reason being that, listen to me. Your spirit can talk. It talks loud. Very, very loud. A polluted spirit tells lies. Receive your spirit. That's why people have disobeyed God. They tell me their spirit said. Before I used to say that, no, it's not their spirit. Now I know it's their spirit. But Paul said to us clearly, cleanse yourselves of all defilement of what? Flesh and spirit can be defiled. So before you can pray and your spirit will guide you correctly, please read that in my little book, Guided by the Spirit, I explained it there. You have to remove all those points of defilement. And you can only do it in prayer. You know why I'm saying all of this is because your faith is crucial. You must fight hard not to lose your faith. Listen, when you will lose your faith, it's usually temptations. Turn these stones to bread. And you go on a wrong tangent for of life. Hey, come over here. This place is safer. You miss the place because you see, there's what they call the supply of the spirit. What I'm going to say is that you can't even by yourself determine how much faith you will have. It is what God supplies to you. So, God usually packs abundant supply in the place he has kept you. It's not only of money, but also of faith. Many people, when they tell you the problem, you know, sometimes people will call me. i like, how are you doing? Like, what to me am I doing? We heard, you heard what? You are hearing things that I can't hear, and I'm the one in Enugu. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Those is, ha. Because I have friends in the north, you know. You, you almost worry about them. You know, when they, the, the time they said that, uh, of course not they said, when kidnapping was, go, you know, Kaduna area. That cardinal road. How are you people moving? I called one of our brothers there. So I said, how are you people doing? Because these guys invaded the airport, these bandits. They invaded Nigerian Defense Academy. Do you remember that time? Yeah. They kidnapped and killed some of those boys they took from that um, university. So I called one bro in Kaduna. How are you guys doing? You know, from the tone of his voice, you know they have the supply of the spirit of faith. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Just from the tone of his voice, he just laughed. He said, we are fine. Well, I didn't know. They began to give me testimonies. And you say, ah, in my mind, I, me, I'm here worried. And then they are there doing what? Giving me testimonies. He told me that his bishop, or one of their bishops there, is, is a priest. So he said, one of their bishops, they don't go with security. No, this one, carries, no, 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 no. 
They are traveling, they enter their motor, and the man travels at night. He finishes preaching here, he's going to another diocese, or going to another parish, or going back home, and he hit the road at 8 p.m. He and the driver, let us go. And I'm like, excuse me. And he's laughing. The person gives me testimony. He's laughing. He said, no, no, we have to leave now. Ah. He said, no, we have to leave. We have to leave. We will not say because of these people. We will not do anything. And that's the attitude of his bishop. Meanwhile, they will tell me here, ah, hey, they're going to Abba. Don't go. <laughs> These guys will be prowling that road up and down. You are here worried. They said, no, we can't stop living because of these people. It's not like they've not heard of people that got killed. Though. If I said one day the bishop was traveling, his tire hit something. So he had to stop. That's the driver had to stop. They, but they just managed to roll up to one particular point. They now got to an Air Force you know, a military checkpoint. So they stopped. Ah, what is going on? And the car, the tire hit something down there. Where? When they described it, ah, those ones were looking at him. Which spot? That place? Oh, so you were not there when this attack happened? Some, they, no, they just, either just before they got there, or just after, there had been major, you no know, shootouts in that area. The military were looking at them. You guys are bold. It's night. Man, like, I gotta go home. It's called the supply of the spirit of faith. What God gives them the spirit of faith. They face their challenges. Many of the troubles you don't see. It's not because they are not there. It's because God has filled your heart with faith. You can't notice them. And by not noticing them, because of faith, they disappear. No, it's not that you don't notice them, then they catch you. No. You literally will be traveling on a dangerous road. Because God has filled your heart with faith. And you told your wife, I'll be back before 3 o'clock. As you enter your car, the troublemakers that are laying people on the road in wait, one of them will hear a rumor. Say, boys, I hear that soldier is going to patrol here today. Let's go. Then they leave. You will never know they came there. Nobody will ever know. But you know what drove them? That faith that God placed in your heart, that made you say to your wife as you're about to set on the journey that I should be back before 3 o'clock. And God said, stamp that word for me. And the angels stamp it. Say, whatever will happen, make sure this guy is back home by 2.30. They will fix roads, dismantle checkpoints, install checkpoints, do whatever they have to do. You finish your business by 12. 12, 15, you hit the road. Two hours later, you are back home. Or whatever time. And your wife checks it. Okay, he said he'll be back by 3. You don't think anything of it. But there was a massive deployment of angels to make sure that word came to pass. That's the way you go to where God didn't send you. Every little thing will scare you. You're here at night. Ordinary owl flying past. Then you call your wife and children. They will not get us. And dangers are looking at you like, are you okay, sir? That was an owl going out to chase the food that God provided for it. And you said they will not get it. Was he looking for you? You know why? You don't have the spirit of faith. Let me end my message here because of time. People of God, please, let's not joke with this faith matter. Let's not. I'm giving you a charge. This is the early this year. Say, no, this is my faith. You must rise. This is my faith. You must rise. You will rise to a water walking level. Ah, this is my faith. No, it's not a joke. Please, I will. That is, if they say go to this, they say no. There are people who, oh God, let me not start again. I've seen people who said, I said, what are you doing in town? So I came to listen to you for a year. Like what? Me said that you came to listen to. I don't think I did it for anybody. Remember that a young man? He came to town. 
He didn't tell me. He just, you know, the way, where you are seated now. That guy used to follow me like his spirit. And I used to wonder that, is this guy okay? You know, some of you, before I preach 15 minutes, you have gone to be. Before I preach 10 minutes, your phone is misbehaving. Him? I can't remember him removing his eyes from me one day. He always sat as close as possible to my presence. He will come on time, take the closest seat to the pulpit. I kept on wondering, that which kind of human being be this guy? How did they follow human being like this? The day I got worried, I traveled, not traveled, I went down the express where NYC people were doing something. I was supposed to speak there. I entered the hall, the same seat, the same guy in front. I said, party. This guy is a monetary spirit, I'm telling you. I went to one church, one Methodist church, invited me for a, for a youth program. I went to preach. As I entered the hall, who did I see? The same guy. Ah, uh-uh. And I look, I said, no, 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 no. I have to know what's going on. That was when one day we were now talking. That said that he just finished NYC. That he told the Lord he needed to go and hear me preach. So he came to town, knowing nobody. He said, I want to come and hear Pastor Banky. So that's why he couldn't joke. So every opportunity, once he sees a flyer, and I'm preaching there. He goes. Once it's within this Enugu district, he goes. So where do you live? He went to the NYC coppers family house and told them, please, I'm a Christian copper. I came from so and so and so. I just finished NYC. I need a place to stay. So they allowed him to stay. So what do you eat? He said he went to one school nearby and told them I can teach. They said, we don't need teachers. He said, let me teach for you free of charge. So he was going there teaching. After he taught for a while, Decided to give him, like, okay, thanks for coming today. They gave him something small. After a while, they put him on the salary. At the end of a year or so, a year and a half, he now came and said, Time, sir. It's time for him to leave. We now prayed for him and sent him forth. He came to town. He said, Just for one purpose, I just came to hear you teach. Many of us will run away from where we are hearing the word because they increased salary 10%. See, the Bible says you buy the truth, you don't sell it. When you find opportunities to tap his strong spirit, don't run away from it. Wait and wait and wait and say, no. Money can wait. Let me hear the gospel of God. Let's bow our heads. Let me stop here. Oh, Father God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Next time, please, the Lord helping us, we'll go on to the thing we wanted to teach today. Say, Lord, thank you. Pray a simple prayer. Say, Lord, help me to increase my faith. That's it. Now that prayer is loaded. That prayer, the Lord will tell you what to do, give you instructions, right choices to make, different things to do. But just pray simply like that. Lord, help me increase my faith.